Greetings. This is Recess Tonight with Alan and Rob. Today we have Monique and Landon from NurseM with us here in the Kitchen of Knowledge. I would say the privilege of having Monique well, and Landon. thank you very much, Rob. Thank you. Alan doesn't care. You're, you're so respectful. Right? Yeah. She even baked us her famous blueberry muffins. Thank you very much. I know. Landon has eaten two already. I've eaten two. But you used rock salt this time, which made them a little salty. They're delightful. Mm-hmm. Let's yes, be honest. exactly. Well, they are delightful. I'll never say no. So we have Nursem here today because uh, you have a special skill set. Aside from the clinical practice, you actually moonlight in other uh, jurisdictions. Is that a good way to put it? Other circles, maybe? Circles. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to explore We're that in with some you guys. sketchy circles. I think so. I think we all both have a bit of ADHD. Let's do as much different things as we possibly can. Yeah. So um, let's dive into it. Yeah. Uh, so, Monique, what is this other circle that you do aside from clinical practice? Well, I actually have been doing uh, nursing legal expert opinions for probably 20 some odd years. Um, and a lot of people kind of ask me what that is. And first of all, the preparation for it. I did no preparation except clinical practice. Uh, I think there are courses out there, but um, usually they will just ask you what or, you know, you'd send in your resume or your CV and then they'll look at it and say, yeah, that's an expert. Because they really want your expert opinion about a, a variety of things that you are an expert at. So um, and it's a, in a consultation process because of a medical legal case. And so sometimes they will ask you questions about medical terminology or their understanding of how that would usually work. And it could be a variety of things. It could be just asking you to screen, okay, can you look at this case and see if we even have a case? Should I even take this case on? Um, They may ask you for some help before they go into an examination of discovery, which is usually a pre-trial thing where they're getting a little bit more information from the people who have been uh, named in the lawsuit. And so if you read the chart, you're like, oh, ask them about this and can they clarify this? So in the examination of discovery, you might be able to help them to ask specific questions. Um, You may have to conduct some literature reviews for them. And you really have to think about the standard of care at the time that the case or the event happened because it can come up 10 years like I think the statute of limitation is about 10 years so it's very difficult to go back and think about well what was the standard of care 10 years ago so you may have to do a little bit of lit search there and then up to you may have to prepare reports writing down what you think is your expert opinion and then sometimes you might actually have to act as an expert witness um, at trial as well wow so, yeah like you go to like court yeah. and and they will ask you in your expert opinion would this be blah blah blah. I've never had to do that. I think um, they usually have either settled out of court before I've had to do it, but they've asked me to you know put off a, a chunk of time in order to do that and then I've never been asked, which is kind of good. Yeah. So just to clarify, so mm-hmm. your your area of expertise would that be emergency department yeah. stuff? Yeah. Mostly emergency department staff, things that usually come into the emergency department. Sometimes they will ask you about basic nursing things. So I think I had a case about uh, MIs or maybe an IV that went interstitial or something like that. So those are kind of common nursing things. And so you can be an expert at that. If I felt that I was not an expert at that specific thing, like if it was an ICU case and I don't really know much about that, then I would actually see if I can find a colleague who knows that information a little bit better. 
Um, I think having some humility about what you are an expert at and what you're not an expert at is kind of important. Okay, perfect. So um, to over to Landon on this one. So first of all, you're involved in this kind of world too, am I right? Slightly different. Slightly yes. different. So how does your world slightly differ from Monique's? So I, uh, for the last, I don't even remember how many years, mm. I don't have a diary brain like uh, <laughs> <laughs> Monique does, but well over 10 years, um, I have been involved with our um, nursing practice regulator in our province, uh, so the college. Um, and so I have uh, moved through a, a few committees there, but currently I'm... Um, on the committee that inquires into issues within our province. Okay, so inquiry into issues. So how does that differ from the legal cases that yeah, are going so, the week's way? So I'll preface this with we're speaking from one jurisdiction and every jurisdiction is different. And and all of your your the people listening to this, should you have a duty to figure out how your jurisdiction is structured. Um, and so in, in where we are, we have a jurisdiction where um, it's actually the public that regulates um, nursing practice in, uh, in our province. And so the college is uh, regulated by the public. There are public members on the board. There are public members in every meeting we have. Um, and, and really the purpose of that regulation is uh, the protection of the public through regulation of practice. And that's really where all the colleges in, in our province have gone to over the last 10 to 15 years is um, protecting the public from um, practice. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And okay. actually, it, it makes me happy to hear that it's a patient-centered um, kind of view, to be honest. Right. That patients get a voice in... Uh, in how we practice as emergency nurses or any nurse that's uh, working in, in, an, in an apartment. All right, I gotta know now. There are so <laughs> many myths and so many things out there that I would just like to debunk or demystify or de-dogma mm -hmm. some concepts today. So, Monique, I'd like to start with you. Yeah. What common themes and experiences do you typically get called in to be for uh, called in to be an expert witness? Well, obviously, you're going to get called when the case has gone poorly, when there's a poor outcome, that that's probably the thing that I get called or asked about the most. And I think, you know, we, a lot of us here kind of have um, been involved in a, in a course that we've all been uh, doing, and we talk a lot about failures. And for me, it kind of really boils down to those kind of failures. So it's usually either some a failure to assess something. So a nurse has failed to assess something. For example, maybe they haven't done full vital signs or maybe they haven't done a full um, neurological assessment uh, on limbs when somebody's complaining that they have weakness, um, that kind of thing. Uh, or maybe not taking a blood pressure because somebody comes in with a headache. So, so those kind of things that they've just not done it. And would that have made a difference in the outcome is a lot of the times that the questions that I get asked. The other thing is really a failure to recognize. So maybe they've assessed it, but they, you know, they haven't figured out, well, why is this headache got a blood pressure of 210 <laughs> over 120 and the patient is vomiting, but I'm just going to chart it, but I'm not actually recognizing that that's a bad thing. Just so to I be don't clear, do anything is, that about a bad, is that a bad thing? I'm just making uh, it clear. Might be. Okay, yeah, got it. Might more. be, just making sure. Yes. Yeah. So they may fail to recognize that. Bleeding and in the brain is a bad thing. Bad thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it, got it. 
clarifying. Uh, so that kind of failure to recognize. And then that the next step really is probably the one that sometimes is hard because if you don't recognize it, then you don't communicate it. So how do I actually tell somebody, I'm worried that this is bad, I'm worried that this is bleeding, and can you come in and check it? So those kind of um, cases are probably quite relevant. And I think those are the ones that we're always a bit like, oh gosh, did that really happen? <laughs> so I think around those kind of cases, I can certainly tell you that they're the poorly, um, I had an IM that uh, severed the nerve. And it, the, immediately, as soon as somebody did the injection, the guy went, oh, my hand went totally numb. And they just kind of went, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. And then he's ended up with deficits and that sort of thing. So that was not good. So things like that. Um, certainly a couple of the thing that scares me, I think I've had three or four epidural abscesses. And those are always scary uh, because everybody seems to have missed it. Uh, compartment syndrome that somebody has missed. Right. So stuff like that that are very common themes of poor, poor outcomes. So not just like, oh, and my finger went really bruised after the IV, you know, or arm went bruised, not like that. It's like bad outcomes. Mm. Yeah. So that's what you see as the expert witness. Yeah, mostly, yeah. Landon, same question for you. What common things do uh, you hear from a regulatory view? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm going to kind of build on the same structure as, as Monique used. And... Um, so, so things that weren't assessed, things that weren't recognized, and bad communication. Mm -hmm. the, the difference, I think, is, is when Monique gets involved, there's lawyers, there's been mm -hmm. uh, a capacity to um, fund a legal case. Um, and in the regulation world, you can call 1-800-whatever-the-number-is, and suddenly uh, an investigation is started. Um, and so we see a large gamut and I'm going to separate out um, things into sort of two areas. And one I'm not gonna talk about because it's fairly evident. And so a big thing that the regulator deals with is um, mental health and addictions issues. Mm. And so that's a, a large portfolio. And, and in our jurisdiction, we're very fortunate that um, we have a great relationship with nursing unions, employers and the college and um, have a supportive framework for that. That's a completely separate issue, although a large number of, um, of things that are dealt with. The second is sort of from the, the patient's side. And um, this, the themes are very similar. And the, the difference, well, maybe it's not a difference, but all we have to go on a lot of times is uh, recollection, which is poor, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and documentation, mm. which is poor. Poor. <laughs> mm, yeah. Common themes here. Yes. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think probably where the difference, uh, another difference is, is if a complaint is made, the investigation will go through to completion, whereas in a, in a legal case, it, it can mm -hmm. be abandoned at some point. So if, yeah. for example, you get a, a, a legal case, and Minnie can correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, and the documentation was stellar, and it's like, you have no case here, mm -hmm. it may just go away. Uh, with a regulatory framework, the investigation will continue all the way through. And the the rock star documentation will, in the end, inform the uh, inquiry way better than poor documentation. But it's not going to get you out of the investigation continuing. It's going to happen. Um, and and we, we often have this mindset of um, 
that an investigation is bad. It's actually a great thing because what it shows is that we're willing to be accountable to the public. And, you know, that one... So common themes, sorry, I'm totally rambling, but common themes are the documentation does not support the care that has um, been claimed to have been given. Um, and so one of those is vital signs. So yeah. someone who's, and, and I'm not the biggest proponent of like every two hour vital signs, blah, blah, blah. Like, I like to think that we can look at someone and go, oh, you're suddenly looking sick. And that if it's within if I do vital signs and 20 minutes later, they're looking bad. I would hope that I would not notice or that I would notice before the next vital signs are due four hours later. So it's a balance of that administrative need to write something down, mm-hmm. which often, which sometimes doesn't happen. And so you can only surmise that, well, were you actually attentive to that patient at the time um, versus better would be, oh, you know, the patient started getting sick and you wrote vital signs down more often. The other is that, that clinical narrative documentation that, um, and I know you're, it's a passion of yours, Alan, for sure, (laughs) but, um, you know, writing useless statements, um, really don't contribute to any, anything in the end. And I know you'll probably talk about it because it's your soapbox. Um, the, the one thing that we deal with, uh, that I deal with from the nursing side a lot when people are that know that I do some of this work is my favorite line actually my favorite line ever is when a nurse looks at another nurse and goes well you can't do that you'll lose your license and it's one of my favorite lines because it's like and and I want to go up to them and go can I tell you about the cases where nurses have lost their license oh hold on I don't need to because we're a public body therefore you can just go to the website and see what nurses had to do to lose their license that is not the goal of a regulator is to take licenses away. They will if needed. And you can go to your regulatory website and read what those people did. Your license will not get taken away because, you know, you didn't chart that you gave a Tylenol before the end of your shift and you had to put it in as a late entry, which right. in fact is one time I got told I would lose my license. So <laughs> by a colleague, not by the college. So. It's it's kind of funny. There is a, a definite spectrum of things that we deal with, and um, lose your license is the end of a very long road. <laughs> Can I ask you a question though? And I don't know this question answer because I've never been given anything from the college to review from a legal perspective. But I'm wondering if anybody could subpoena the examination from the regulatory body into a legal case, and whether you guys have any kind of protection around that you know kind of like a priest you're not allowed to say anything because it's in confession or whatever it is but um interesting question that that is a great question and i i don't know the answer to Mm. it i do know that the the members who are investigating things are protected from legal recourse okay under our uh legislation in the province um so they can't sue me as a as a committee member okay um but but i just meant the discussion could that whether that be um i would and I don't take this as as true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but my thoughts are like it's it's all very public. Yeah. Um, so they could probably take it from. So legal. they could take it from, mm-hmm. uh, and and probably subpoena that. Yeah. And uh, it's just interesting because I've yeah. never been given any of that to I've you know been given the examination of discoveries, but right. nothing from the regulatory body that has investigated. I, I would say that I, yeah. one thing I've noticed just in my practice is that the legal side and the, the the regulatory side 
actually most people tend to pick one route oh yeah exactly like, yeah. um like i can only think of two or three in in all my years where we knew there was an ongoing legal case at the same time and we usually right. know that because both of us are dealing with the risk management people at the, you know, the yeah. primary employer yeah. or that kind of thing and so we just know that that's going on um it doesn't inform the that doesn't inform the the regulation part exactly. mostly because that legal part is going to be years and years and years and yeah. years and the exactly. regulatory process is is a lot faster it, it can go on for years but typically it doesn't so a bit more expediente yeah that makes yeah. sense and, and it has an easier question to answer right and and is is it did they meet their standards um and the legal side will go way more into oh, yeah. intent and, and all that kind of stuff whereas the, the the regulatory side is very simple yeah. as far as did you meet your standards didn't did you, you not yeah. was there a good enough investigation mm. wasn't yeah. there no. yeah. and now what are we going to do about this yeah those sure. are sort of the three questions in every case where right? is this going totally yeah. Yeah. Mm. okay so one piece that landon that you uh, alluded to really really great um in a great way and it was about Alan and his axe to bear about uh, certain things being charted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to take this because I don't want Alan to get so upset. Because we'll be here an hour. <laughs> Correct. I have a stress ball right now. I'm yeah. squeezing it. Yeah, exactly. You should see Alan. He looks like he just came off night shift, but he didn't. He's holding a stress ball and twitching a little bit, but that's cool. That's his norm. Okay, yeah, so exactly. let's put this into a context of a case because my simple brain, that's how it works. Does that work for you? Sure. Sure. All right, so come to, come to both of you. Oh, this is a surprise. Yeah, Yay. exactly. So let's say... A working in a merge, right? Mm-hmm. Really sick fellow comes in. He's a pneumosepsis guy, getting sicker, getting sicker. He gets himself an admission to ICU. Unfortunately, it's mm-hmm. not going so well. Um, and with our fellow here, he's getting a ton of fluid, lots of antibiotics. He's on norepi uh, for some some support. And let's just say, for an example, a lactate gets drawn. It's four point one. Okay, just for a random number. Um, I'm sure at some point in time, Alan and I will do a rant about uh, lactate, but that's cool. Um, and so the patient and his condition haven't really changed. They're kind of in the same place and you're just waiting for your ICU bed upstairs. And nurse walks up to the physician and says, hey, just so you know, lactate's 4.1. Mm-hmm. Nurse turns around and charts MD aware, mm-hmm. lactate 4.1. Mm-hmm. So for us, that's a really interesting area. And from a bedside nurse, I'm sure there's some thoughts out there, but from a regulatory and a legal perspective, how do you how do you two see it? Whoever wants to go first, ladies first. Okay, then. Land it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's like we planned that, isn't it? I know, kind of. Um, yeah. So, MD aware. Hmm. So for me, um, I don't work with a physician whose initials are MD. <laughs> I used to, and he retired. And Mike, if you're listening, we, we still miss you. But, um, so MD is a, it's a random ethereal person that descends from heaven to solve all of our problems. <laughs> Unfortunately, MD aware doesn't tell me a few things. One is it does not tell me who that is. Right, yeah. So, so from, from my end, if I'm looking at the chart, Later on, I'd go, well, different if you're working in an outpost and the physician is, you know, one person. But I work at a place where there may be, I don't even know what we're at now, seven or eight physicians and an NP on a shift uh, saying MD aware. It doesn't justify that I went to the right physician, blah, blah, blah. The other end of that statement for me is it's a little bit of a like, 
uh, I'm now absolved from any requirement mm-hmm. because this random ethereal body now knows that something is abnormal. And, and, and this is something that, um, I, I bring an interesting perspective to a lot of the cases we review because we're not all emergency nurses in the regulatory world. Um, and so I can sort of sometimes bring that emerge side and, and it, the thing to me is that I actually don't care if you told the physician, right? Yeah. I, I want to know what why you, yeah. you told the physician. Yeah. I then want to know what the physician said. And I then want to know what you then further did. Yes. And so a statement such as Dr. Smith um, or reported lactate 4.1 to Dr. Smith stated they would blah, 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 blah or stated they are comfortable with this level because of ongoing fluid resuscitation and patient has norepinephrine running, like sort of some of that mm-hmm. justification as to maybe why no action was taken. You're, you're not defensible as a nurse in my regulatory mind anyway. You're not defensible just by saying, I told the, the person above me, which is what we'll often hear is, well, the physician is above me. And it's like, no, no, no. Guess what? We're all independent professions now, all regulated by the public where we are. And so, yes, the physician has a role in that, but so does the nurse. And we all have independent roles. And so for me to just pass it upstream doesn't actually absolve me of any action if the person continues to deteriorate. Um so, so that's sort of, I, I don't know if that's a good enough answer for you. Yeah. Um, but, and then the one thing I'll end with, which I'm sure Monique will talk about as well, is the, is the escalation pathway of mm-hmm. inaction. And so it's it, the, the most horrible thing you can see in a chart yeah. is a patient deteriorating and all you keep seeing is MD aware, MD aware, MD aware. And eventually after about three or four of those, you're going to now get the subversive passive aggressive comment, MD aware chose to do nothing or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's super harmful to a lot of things. I'm sure Monique will yeah. tell you what's super harmful in the legal world, but in the regulatory world, what that now tells me is you knew this was oh. really going mm. bad. And you still chose to do nothing but tell the same person. And as an independently regulated profession, we have a duty to our patients to escalate beyond that obstructive person if that's what it's come to. And that's the hardest part of healthcare is you're dealing with someone who you may or may not know. You're not getting the action that you want. And you then have to go above their head. And that's where personality comes into it, sure. right? And, yeah. and the ability to verbalize and document, you know, it's nothing against you. And, you, and we work at a teaching hospital. Sometimes it's a resident we're dealing with. I actually had to do this just last weekend when I was working. And it's like, I'm not quite getting the action that I, my experience anticipates. And so I'm going to have to go above you, but it's nothing to do with you. I get it. You're still learning. Yeah. And yeah, totally. that's okay. Yeah. But we're together just going to chat with that person above you because I'm not comfortable with what this is doing. And you write that down. For sure. That makes a ton of sense. And you don't need to write 17 paragraphs. You just need to kind of indicate that you were still making some decisions. You were searching for another answer, not just I told the doctor and went back on Facebook at the nursing station. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.